McNulty stunning for to get up above Cargill and find Bennett. It's into the box. McNulty cut back for Roberts. It's Gary Roberts no, from Bosby. are leading in the fourth round of the FA Cup. Mark McNulty, but a good chance by Doyle for McNulty on the edge. Mark McNulty oh, short yes. for Bosby. Smashes it past McCormack. One by Doyle. Finished by the returning Mark McNulty. First left blood for Bosby. They're in dreamland early here at Bratton. There's a through ball to Jamal Lowe. Jamal Lowe's onside. The flag stayed down. Jamal Lowe. Nonchalant. Fantastic. Brilliant. Pompey will be promoted at this rate. That is it. Pompey are champions. They won League Two in the most dramatic of circumstances. The PO4 podcast with Hugh Bunce. Proud to be Pompey. Hi, Pompey fans, and welcome to PO Forecast, episode 195. Well, let's say it quietly, let's say it loudly, saying we are top of the league, say we are top of the league. Joining the podcast today is Andy Mitchell. How are you, Andy? Hello. Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Yeah, we are excellent at being top of the league after eight games. Uh, we nailed it last year, nailed it this year, uh, so I'm keen to see whether or not we follow a similar route. But no, it's been a really... Really good couple of weeks of football, hey, for us. So, yeah, lovely to be here. Bring in the positivity. I was hoping for a good moan, to be honest with you, being back at work and all that jazz. But, um, yeah, forced into positivity. Don't you just hate it? Just get it on some T-shirts. The great eight, Pompey, eight games in, always top of the league. That's how we're rolling. <laughs> Hopefully this year we can do it a little bit better. But you're back at work, mate. That's sad times after your, what is it, seven months travelling or whatever, then resting your leg. I mean, yeah, I mean, what, one month, well, five weeks traveling and then, yeah, five weeks on heavy painkillers. Yeah. And uh, thanks for minimizing it. Uh, my hamster's eating through the floor of our outdoor area. I'm going to have to go and sort that out. Honestly, this is why we don't do these live. I'll be right back. And he never literally, well, his, his hamster is just so much drama. I've never seen someone with his hamster so involved in his life. Jordy was his proudy. How are you proud of you, right, mate? Oh, thanks for having me back. Um, yeah, uh, Q mentioned before we start recording that normally when I appear on the podcast, um, we are, for lack of a better word, uh, shit. And uh, for once, actually, you've uh, brought me onto the podcast. We're actually doing really well. And uh, now, you know, as uh, Andy's also mentioned, I can spread some positive vibes, uh, see the game, you know, much clearer, uh, not through tear-filled eyes. Uh, for another Dross nil-nil. So, yeah. Uh, thanks for having me back on, though. It's always a pleasure, mate. I like the way that Andy's face has now been replaced by his hamster, who I've forgotten the name of, by the way. This is Gida. This is the longest she's ever sat still. I don't really know what to make of this. This is the best behaved she's ever been. She'll bite me in a sec. And uh, yeah, this has kind of ruined hamster. the intros, hey? Yeah, exactly. How to how to ruin the intros. Yeah, no, it's great. What have you been up to, Proudy, outside of this? Uh... Not not much really. Uh, normally, I just come alive on Saturdays, like Monday to Friday. I I don't do much um, other than when Pompey play. So uh, I haven't actually. Oh, I, I it's kind of bad actually. This is something I have to admit. Um, I I've been talking to someone recently, and she asked me the last time I went down to Fratton Park, and I said uh, February twenty twenty two. I was <laughs> like, oh god, that's been such a long time. Like we're now in what September twenty twenty three. Uh, so I think the last game I was actually at Fratton Park for we beat. 
Donny 4-0, I want to say, I think it was. And that was the last game I've seen us live. Other than pre-season, I was at Plough Lane for pre-season when we lost 1-0. That was a typical my luck. Uh, scored in every pre-season game except that one. So, sorry, I'll take the blame for that. But yeah, you know, not up to much really other than that. Honestly, the most interesting part of that was been talking to a girl. How's the uh, the dating app life? I'm assuming it's gone pretty well. Oh yeah, you know, uh, loads, of, loads of girls say something. I look at them... I don't look at them and not reply. Sorry, that's that's really bad. Uh, I look at some of the messages. And I think oh, I just don't know if I can really be bothered for another commitment, uh, which is bound to disappoint me. I've already got one, so uh, uh, yeah. Um, no, they, they girl life, like for. it might change. I know. I I do think there there will be one time I'll take your girl to Fratton Park, and then she'll say, "Why do you put yourself through this every week?" And I will not know how to answer the question. So, <laughs> and he's I don't think anyone way. can. And he's loving this because in years past he was the one who we rinsed for his his dating life, but now he's a settled down man and all. We can't we can't do that. So yeah, um, he was straight it, away <laughs> calling it a dating life is slightly generous. I don't know how often it got past date five or whatever, but um, yeah, uh, settled down now. Brought someone to Fratton Park these days. Like once you've introduced someone to the football boys, then uh, you kind of got to see it through for a little bit, haven't you? <laughs> the fact that she's still with you now after meeting all of us, mate, is actually pretty impressive, to what, be honest. What game did she come to earlier this season? She came to one and she just, she people watched, she didn't watch the football. She just like stared around at the Fratton end. And I asked her at the end, how was it? And she goes, she's South African. I was about to do the accent. I'm not going to do the accent. I've changed my mind. Do it. That's, no, absolutely not. We get pelters when we say anything like that could be offensive on here. Accents are actually offensive. So I'm not going to do my African accent. But now I asked her how the game was at the end of it. And she just goes, fascinating. <laughs> and I was like, that's not what you're meant to say. You're meant to either be furious or like overjoyed with limbs. You're not meant to have just like, yeah, I just found the group mob mentality so interesting. So, oh, well, we'll let it go. At least, you know, she'll, st- she'll keep coming. So Freddie's not here this week. Um, he's striking. I've tried to explain to him he doesn't get paid for doing the podcast. So he, just <laughs> need, he has no need to strike for the PO forecast because we, we have no advertising, no revenue and no intention. So um, but he's doing it anyway. Northern man, support Freddie Webb on the picket line. I love the picture of him, by the way, on the BBC News website. I was just about to jump in with that. Yes. I, he looked wonderful with a protest board next to him. It just suits him. That's it. Honk if you support Web. I, I, I'm all for it. If I was living down there now, I'd be going past just the horn. They'd be like, who's the guy who stood there for three hours with an air horn? I'd drive around in circles like, let's go history geeky. In World War II, Mussolini did it when he wanted people to think he had a larger army than he did. And he did like a tank parade, but he drove the tanks around in circles. So they got seen multiple times. I would do that around Portsmouth Guildhall and just keep driving past in a slightly different car honking at Webb. And he's but, got a um, massive yeah, it's, um, a I can't massive believe he's um he's gone on strike for the pod as well. Just wow, tools down really does mean tools down, eh? It does for him, mate. You know, he's from Yorkshire. And uh, what I think was great out of that sentence you just said is you brought in another fascist dictator. I believe last week it was Pol Pot. Uh, you brought in Stalin. No, Mao. Mao last oh, week. Yeah, well, it's Chairman Mao. I mean, like, you love it. You love a sort of like uh, a controversial political leader, don't you now? I, I'm not going to have it on record that I love Mussolini. I don't know entirely that I'm comfortable with that. Um, I enjoy the facts and trivia and, you know, minutiae of of their reigns, because I think you learn a lot from history. I wouldn't go as far as to say I actually have positive feelings towards Chairman Mao, Putin, and, um, well, Paul Pot. Ma- uh, yeah, 
Hitler, you know, all the big ones that would get us demonetized if we were monetized, uh, even saying their names on the, the pod. Yeah, that's pretty why, apart from the fact we don't care about it and don't New. want it, uh, <laughs> that's probably a good shout from our sense. We've but- got to be at least eight minutes in and we've talked about Proudy's dating, Mussolini and Fred on strike. At some point, there'll be football chat. You yeah. think like, what, four points from two difficult games? There's no need to talk about them, really, is there? Like, we only talk about it if we're complaining. All right, let's get into it now. So, first of all, we're going to review the game against Derby. And then we're going to go on and talk about the thrilling 3-2 win, spoiler alert, against Barnsley. And then we had Ben from the Stacey Weston to talk about the game on Saturday against Lincoln and talk about how they're going to get on and their players, the tactics, all the usual malarkey we talk about when we have someone on the show. And as well, Andy's been prepping some stuff because without Freddie here, he does all that sort of like tedious agenda stuff. And Andy's actually a university lecturer. So Andy's now been the one who's put all the agenda together. He's got all the facts, not just about history, but also about Pompey. So let's get into the first game here. Derby. Derby boys. Andy was actually at the game. I couldn't be there. I've, as we said before, got a drunken injury and uh, damaged my ankle, which means that I've been working from home all week. Yeah, that's it. No one cares. Let's Zoned into- out, bro. Zoned out. <laughs> Let's get into the start of the game then. Derby had quite an early chance where it's come off as a shot and it got deflected and it came off the bar in the end of the time there. And Andy, when the game started from the back of the stands, how did you feel about it? Was it a slow start or, or did you feel that Pompey got into it all right? I thought we started pretty well. It wasn't a spectacular first 25 minutes. Uh, to be honest, most of the attention was at the Derby fans who weren't watching the game and were you know, spending the full 90 minutes pouting, trying to make eye contact with anyone who looked even slightly over to our left and then trying to you know point behind the stand. Like, I can't. I can't get around sort of the difficulty of the logistics of that. If you call out like 200 people before half time, how are you meant to remember who you've called out? Like just the facial recognition side of it. I'd be stood behind the stand. Like I don't know who I'm meant to be fighting right now, but um, yeah, I've got a lovely photo. I, I did my old pano just before the game of, of the away stadium. And uh, I didn't realize at the time, but yeah, if you scroll in on the bottom left of it, you've just got this line of sort of Derby fans in, I don't even know something something they're wearing something chavy and uh there's sort of three or four of them just giving it aggie sort of arms out you know calling people out one of them looks like he's doing a hitler salute which i'm hoping is just out of context photo not being as good as video i'm hoping he was doing something else he's also a fan of Mussolini. then yeah (laughs) so we got back to the dictator chat quick didn't we um but no i thought we started pretty well we had um a chance fairly early on from an in-swinging corner that uh i don't know who it was for derby seemed to head it off the line. I've not actually seen a replay of that. I'm pretty sure that's what happened. I think it was going in until it was headed off the line. And as you say, Derby have that chance where it's a deflection that honestly could go anywhere, thankfully comes off the bar. Uh, We had a couple of those as well in the first half that went you know, either straight at the keeper or were a comfortable save, but honestly could have gone absolutely anywhere. But considering Derby away, not an easy place to go, even with them slightly out of form, I thought we started like an away performance wants to in that you're not letting the opposition really get any momentum going. You're not letting the crowd really get into the game. You're just trying to nullify the home advantage a little bit. 
And to be honest with you, they did that really successfully. There was noise all around the stadium when the teams came out. 20 minutes in, the only section of the stadium making any noise was the the home fans in the same end as the Pompey lot. The other three sides of the rectangle didn't make a sound other than when they scored. So that was mission accomplished for the first 25 minutes, to, to quote George Bush, who you could potentially argue is another dictator if you were politically inclined that way. That might need to be cut. I don't know. You can decide. Um, so... I shouldn't say dictator. I mean war criminal. But um, <laughs> yeah, we we just declared your face palming. You have such a hard job editing it when I'm on the show, don't you? Anyways, yeah, they grew into the game well, nullified that threat early doors. Bishop was getting sweet and all from the referee in the first half. Uh, she gave him a bit more in the second half, but um, yeah, it was it was a nervy game. And I think the first goal was always going to be important. I didn't think we were going to wait quite as long as we had to to see it. Um, but I would say that Pompey looked more dangerous going forward, I think, than Derby. I don't remember seeing Norris really make a save even throughout the game, really, to be honest with you. I believe Derby haven't had a shot on target from open play in like 200 minutes or something ridiculous before That explains this. it. Looking at the game generally... We seem to be quite unlucky to come away with over oh, the point, I suppose. You can see it as as lucky and unlucky. Obviously, we get the goal at the death and, you know, you rescue a point in that situation. But just having a quite look at some of the chances before that, Sean has he had a chance, didn't he, where the ball was struck and it, it came in. And Brown, did you, do you expect to settle it back to be able to get that shot on target? Uh, no, not, no, I, I think... Um... I think yeah, if you if you have a, an attacking minded player in that position, maybe it'll be different. Although it do, it does make me think like why, you know, Shotnessy was there. Like to be honest, like uh, you know, I think it was um, to see him in that position. I obviously I would have wanted like maybe Bishop or maybe White or Lane on the end of it, maybe Kamara. It was a, it, and it is a difficult one as well. Like for like probably any player to put that in. Like it's it's coming down, uh, you know, on the volley. I mean, if he puts that in, like, you know, we're going to be replaying that for a while. But yeah, like, I think chance-wise, like, we we definitely had the better chances. I know we had a few on the counter, which we probably could have done better with. I think there was one with, uh, I'm trying to remember, if, I think it was Lane and it was breaking. I think it, uh, his ball that he pulled back towards Bish was a, was a good enough and we probably should have been better with that. But yeah, chance-wise, I think we had better chances than Derby. Obviously, they had a deflected effort, but... I think in the 90 minutes, you know, we, I think context is obviously key. Like, I think a lot of people would have taken a draw before the game. They probably would have, uh, you know, to keep the unbeaten run. But the way that we played, I think we were, you know, unfortunate um, that it was only a point we took. I think we could have taken all three. But yeah. you've got to give credit where it's due that they put in a performance where you do come away twinged with or tinged with disappointment to have yeah. picked up a point away against Derby. There aren't many seasons in the last however many years, where we've, we would have come away from Pride Park going, ah, kind of what could have been. And mm. I think pretty much the entire lineup, you know, deserve a lot of credit for that. I, yeah. Sorry, Paddy, didn't mean to interrupt you. No, there, no, I was, was going to say, because we, we didn't, we, we drew them 1 1 as well, like uh, last season at Pride Park as well. And I think we were, I, I, I need to obviously go back over the game before I can remember. I think we were fairly fortunate to actually come away with a 1 1. So it's 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 quite interesting to see the difference that those two performances, uh, you know, have shown in like a couple of months. Obviously, it's credit to Massinho. Obviously, new players coming in as well, uh, but a fairly similar system. 
and obviously Derby have brought in players and lost players as well. So, uh, you know, I have to give credit to Massinho for like, you know, bringing bring in like a, a new squad together, but getting a performance like that out of the players. And obviously, yeah, the 95th minute equaliser. I don't, I don't think there's anything better than that, really. Well, maybe if it was a winner. If it was a winner, then yeah. But, you know, 1-1 one, one draw, I can't really, uh, can't really bulk at that. I think we have to give a, a very large amount of credit in this game to sort of Swanson and Robertson. For me, both outstanding. Swanson putting back-to-back really strong performances in. Robertson coming back into the side and, and doing, an, yeah, an excellent job. I think Kamara as well, defensively, was really, really good. I was very pleasantly surprised because we've seen his attacking prowess. You know, he likes running at players. He did it a lot against Peter Brewer, running at a defence and trying to cause problems. But I thought defensively, he was really, really good when he was isolated. The amount of times he won the ball back in in one of our sort of defensive corners, yeah, stood out to me. Anyway, more than, more than I was expecting, I think, on that one. It was interesting, wasn't it? Because before the game, I think we spoke about who was going to come in for Joe Morrell. And I think me and Fred and yourself both wanted Alex Robertson to come in and play in that position, which is a bit deeper than where he's played before in, in the sort of number 10 role. And just goes to show with his range of passing and his ability that he can play in either position really and, and affect the game at the same time. So that is yeah. really, it's really quite impressive, isn't it? And obviously we change it up and he retains his position in the squad when we come on to talk about the Barnsley game, but playing in a different different position and just shows what, what kind of depth we've got now, doesn't it? And, you know, Paddy was talking about the game before, which, which we were at, me and Freddie went to the game last season and Derby really controlled the midfield, to be honest, in that game. Now, obviously they have lost players like McGoldrick, etc., who played quite a big part in that and keeping the passing moving for them. But it does show for us now, doesn't it, against the team, who you expect to have some decent midfielders that we've really just stepped up and upped our game, I suppose. Let's go and talk about the penalty quickly. It's really unlucky, isn't it? I think it's a penalty by, and tell me if you think anything different, by the rule of the law, it's a penalty, if that makes sense, by the rules, but ball comes in and it just sort of ends up sort of bouncing up and hitting his arm, which is outstretched, but it's almost to sort of balance himself and sort of comes up quite unexpectedly, hits his arm, do we all agree it's a penalty? Andy, he's huffing and puffing. I'm permanently huffing and puffing. In the moment, I was absolutely furious. My blood pressure went up. My heart rate went up. Just absolutely raging. Watched the replay back. My first instinct watching the replay was, okay, fair enough. I think that probably was a penalty. Having watched it back a few more times, I'm somewhere in the middle. I can, I can 100% see why she gave it having watched it back, and obviously she had a very different angle to us, I can see why she gave it because you could argue, and I don't completely agree with this, but you could argue that his arm was raised in an unnatural position if you were sort of stood there or trying to block a cross coming in. However, the ball deflects off what his thigh, his knee, immediately before hitting that arm. And... I don't know if you've ever tried to do a sliding block without raising your arms at all and keeping them by your sides. I don't even know if it's physically possible without doing yourself a bit of an injury. So with, you know, a week and a half to think, or a week to think about it, I think it's harsh, but I can see why she gave it. 
in the moment because she hasn't had a week and a half and 15 different replays to think about it. I think, yeah, my initial reaction of that's an awful decision. She needs to get off the pitch. This is terrible refereeing was was incorrect. But I also don't think you can say, yeah, it's a penalty, no arguments. So I think sometimes you get them, sometimes you don't. I think if you're in the Premier League and they VAR it, I think that gets given as a penalty. But that might be because there's a problem with the law not because there's a problem with the referee applying the law correctly, if that makes sense. Brad, did you agree with that? Uh, yeah, it's, it's one of those penalties which I, I think a lot of fans would agree, which is like, if it's against you, you'd want it given. And if it's... Um, sorry, if if it's if it's for you, then you'd want it given. But if it's against you, you don't want it given. I always want uh, penalties given against us. What are you chatting about? Oh, I know. Makes I know. it more exciting. I was thrilled. <laughs> so we can well, I'm, I'm, I'm a goalkeeper, so I wanted to save it. So I wouldn't mind more Norris saving the penalty. Oh, by the way, can we just pause? Like, Sorry to interrupt the pod briefly, the topic. I want to pause and highlight that penalty save you made the other week, Proudy, that I've seen a video of. That is an absolute worthy of one-handed penalty save. Who Thank knew you, you were actually uh, competent? I'm. Uh, you didn't. You didn't. Uh, I didn't tell you what happened the week after, did I? No, no, no. Uh, we lost 6-1. Uh, so, <laughs> so uh, yeah, I got injured because I, mean, I could see the three after that. So, yeah, I, I didn't tweet about it anymore. Uh, I'm not tweeting about my Sunday league season. Uh, I, I got knocked out of cup by a team five divisions below us on Sunday. So, uh, yeah, I, I've done tweet about Sunday league. Anyway. But, yeah, but anyway, back to the penalty. Uh, yeah, it's, um, I, I thought it was harsh at first. Obviously, it, it, same with Andy. Like, um, I was watching it on, uh, I was watching it on iFollow and I've, I think the first time I saw it, I thought it wasn't a penalty. And I don't think they even replayed it. Um, I'm pretty sure. So obviously, I, I pretty much was the same as Andy. I had one view of it and I thought, no, it wasn't a penalty. But then more I've seen it, I think, yeah, it's, it's, I thought it, I, I've changed my mind from slightly harsh to, yeah, it's probably a penalty. I don't know whether obviously the Derby player touched it, which might, you know, because if the, I feel like the Derby player touched it, then I don't think it's given as a penalty. But I, obviously, I can't tell by the by the uh, footage. So, but yeah, it's it's just one of them things. Like I think uh, you know, she gave the penalty, and that's that's all it is, really. Yeah, and it's well dispatched down to the keeper's right. Go on, Andy. Yeah, I was going to say. I think it's a point I made last week as well about the speed of the decision making, and I'm not going to go down the cricket analogy again and just repeat it, you know, go back to last week's episode and hear what I think about referees making decisions too quickly. Uh, if you're if you're really interested, but She's pointing at the spot within, what, three quarters of a second. I think she has to talk to a linesman there, as far as I'm concerned, at least briefly, or at least replay it in her head. Yeah, I won't go and do the same rant again, but I think she gives it far too quickly before she's really had time to process the information. Um, I still think if she does that, she probably would have come to the same conclusion from the angle she was at. But I, I do feel like she gave the penalty too quickly, and I think that's something that a lot of referees have been doing. Uh, in our well, in our league, in League Two, I don't know, probably in the Championship as well. But yeah, here's what it is. I'm not one of those people that's. I, I don't completely agree with Massinho that the referee had an absolute shocker of a game. I, I don't. I'm well on board with all of his post-match interviews and pre-match interviews and his whole vibe. I don't entirely agree that she was as bad as as he made out. I think the first half she was poor in terms of Bishop. I think he got manhandled a lot. And there were a couple where a free kick was given against him. And I physically don't understand how, even from a different angle. But I can kind of understand why she gave the penalty. And I really don't think she was that bad once, you know, once the second half had kicked off. I don't know. I felt like it was a bit, 
I feel like it's all been blown a little bit out of proportion, her performance, to be honest with you. Let's move on to something nice then, because we get the equaliser. It's one of those goals, isn't it? Colby Bishop again, great movement in the box. He just get, takes that chance that the ball's going to get flicked through. Sees Devlin get something on it after the ball comes in. He picks up an assist in the goal, scores right at the death. Love the celebration, doing the Robin Hood into the crowd as a proud Nottingham Forest fan. Love that from Colby Bishop. Love the way he apparently has his mates come along to the game against Derby. So he had his pals in the stand sporting Pompey, giving the big one. Do appreciate that. Just makes you love Colby Bishop even more, doesn't it? Goal machine, likable character. You can imagine doing exactly the same thing, playing against any club if we're playing the Scummers. So I think uh, Connor Chaplin the other day for Ipswich went and shushed the Southampton fans. So yeah, I'm all on board for that. Nice one, Colby Bishop. And it's a 1-1 draw. Oh, I think we're all quite happy with that, aren't we, generally? Do you want to break down the goal at all, anyone? Honestly, I wouldn't have cared less how it had gone. And it's one of those that I think when a striker's out of form, because it, it comes to him pretty quickly, really, once the ball's in the box and takes that deflection. If a striker's out of form, he doesn't quite get on the end of that. So, yeah, we're, I guess we're fortunate that he is on form. Yeah, absolute limbs. A lot of angry Derby fans. They left very quickly after that. A lot of them had left because they had a chance to win it as well. After that, they had a really good chance to win the game in like the 97th minute and the crowd was half empty to even see it. So, yeah, love it. Can't beat a late goal away from home. Yeah, salty Derby fans. Bish bash bosh onto the Barnsley game. It's one of those games where, for me, obviously I've got a lot of friends who are, who are Barnsley fans, so it's a game that I really want to see us win. I think up 650 Pompey fans made the journey roughly up there. I've just taken a square number there, but around that sort of thing. And I think that's a really good shout on a on a Tuesday night, all the way up to Barnsley. We never seem to get to play, do we, on a, on a Saturday now? So we are at one point going to go up there on a Saturday and have another weekend out in Sheffield to watch Barnsley, where there's actually a game, unlike last time we went up there anyway. Back to the game anyway. It's a really strong start from Pompey, isn't it, in this game? There's actually a couple of chances, probably at the start of the game, even before, you know, we get a goal, isn't there? And you think, okay, this is a fast start because we've been quite slow to start other games. And it just seemed a bit different, didn't it? Yeah, it was, it was really weird. Um, like, I, I think we we pretty much had a, a similar lineup. Obviously, uh, I think Kamara was dropped uh, and then we brought... Um, Robertson into the 10 so Morel could play like next to Pack, and like the way that we like were moving the ball like really quickly like we were attacking down the wings really fast getting the ball into the box really quickly and then I think yeah the first goal as well like we hit Barnsley on the counter obviously Lane I, I thought Lane's run was fantastic beat two players managed to free up some space and then obviously got the ball into the box for like Bishop to win the penalty but it was just, it was just really strange like I don't remember a Pompey team starting that fast for a long long time I, I cannot remember off the top of my head a start that quickly and it was really strange it, I, obviously Barnsley I, was, I remember I, it was it was just after we made it 3-0 as well and I was watching Barnsley and they just didn't press they, they kept well, they were keeping their shape but they were like they're not pressing us at all they're just keeping the shape I didn't know what shape they were actually playing either I couldn't I couldn't figure it out and I was like we're, we're just so dominant and I thought this was great uh, you know it's the best 45 minutes I've seen us play for actually I'm, I'm trying to think when was the last 45 we played that well like I'm sure you boys probably have got a game at the top of your head I don't know if you do but yeah stunning that's all I can 
That's the only word I can really describe. It was a stunning start. I think we've had 45 minutes where we've played as well, but been less clinical. So there's been games where I think we've played, you know, we dominated sides and just looked just excellent, but not been able to convert that final chance where you go in three and a half times. So we've probably had halves where we play really, really well and actually go in at one nil, one all because of a sloppy defensive mistake, whatever. And yet it was that incisiveness and that ruthlessness that was so good to see. And they identified pretty quickly that I think Barnsley came out slightly sluggishly and Mm. just pounced on that. And I mean, we thought, yeah, put the game to bed comfortably in the first 16 minutes. Nothing can go wrong now. Um, But proudly, did you think that was a penalty? The, uh, the Colby Bishop one first time you watched it. I, I, I called for a penalty, but it's, it's one of those where I'm thinking like, because I, I, as far as I know, like referees are meant to give the penalty if the player's in control of the ball. And obviously Bishop's trying to go around the goalkeeper, but his touch was quite heavy. And obviously, I don't know if he was trying to... He was just trying to knock it past the keeper to try and win the foul. So obviously, I, I yeah, I, I think I was like you with the Derby one. Like I think it, on the opposite side, where I thought it was a penalty at first. I think watching it back a few times, I'm I'm unsure now. Uh, it's one of those penalties where I'm just like, oh, uh, he's, he hasn't really got control of the ball, has but he's got there first so it's one of those tough ones to really but if Bishop if if Bishop blazes that over the bar and then three quarters of a second later gets karate chopped by the keeper you're still giving that as a penalty right yeah, no, that, that's the thing because I don't know how that rule works because I've always yeah, assumed that the shot is. I've always assumed the shot is counted as an advantage, even if it goes over the bar. But that's that's how I've seen it because I, I there's so many times where a player will have a shot, they will get taken out straight after the shot, and nothing's given. It's normally a goal kick or a corner if the keeper saves it or something like that. It's never a penalty, so it's really it's really strange uh, interpretation of the rule I think and how referees interpret like these sort of fouls but you know I, I suppose it's just luck of the green sometimes like you know sometimes you get given sometimes you don't get it. so and thankfully we got it and that's all that matters I, I suppose like if it's in the outfield not the penalty box say and say Marlon Pack gets the ball chips it forward it goes off for a throw in but then gets two footed and taken out it's, it's still a foul isn't it on the pitch so that was my feeling I don't know if it, how that goes that would be a foul if the, if the guy came in and fouled him afterwards. So, yeah, I I, I think it's it, it's a bit harsh, isn't it? I think it's a penalty. I'm going with it. It's a pen. I don't know if he's offside in, from the camera angle. Like, he could be potentially offside. I'm not sure. But who cares? Let's be honest. 1-0. Great penalty. Colby Bishop. Let's have it. Let's start. Paddy Lane had a great game, didn't he, Andy? Paddy Lane. What a game. Obviously, he gets a goal as well, but just generally his movement, his running, just meant that Barnsley had to sit back a lot deeper on that side and they had a torrid time down the left, didn't they, controlling him? Yeah, it was quite refreshing because I think, being completely honest, I didn't think he had the best game against Derby. So I, I think he was one of the players who struggled more in terms of like he was creating positions but not being able to put the final product on. Um, so, yeah, the first half of his game was working well but the actual clinical, you know, the finishing off of those positions just wasn't happening. So, yeah, it was one of those that you were really gunning for and wanting him to have a good game. And the finish of that, the second goal, I mean, you're you're right about them having problems with him throughout, but the finish for that goal is 
beautiful. That's R1 circle. That's just, ah, oh, you open up your body, you place it, the keeper's not got a chance, into the, the upper stanchion or upper left stanchion. I think that's what they're called. Is that right? Proudy's nodding. He knows about football stuff, so I'll go with that. And it's unsavable. Such a nice finish. It's just, I don't know what makes that so aesthetically pleasing. There's not a huge amount of pace on it. It's just so pleasing to watch back again and again and again. And uh, yeah, as you say, it's one of those players that you just were, were gunning to have a good game after the uh, the derby match. So yeah, to score within 60, 60 seconds of the first goal, it's not often when you see a sort of a, a, a list of scorers, you have two scorers literally in the same minute. Normally, you know, at least you've ticked over that, that threshold between the eighth minute and the ninth minute. But to score, celebrate win the ball back, go up the other end and score again within the same minute. It's just it's just satisfying. There's so much satisfying about this second goal. It's got a lot going for it. You know, moving on from that, I suppose, it just sort of gets better and better, doesn't it? And ball comes into the box. Third goal, Connor Ogilvy's there. Great positioning. Perfect ball into the box onto his bald head. And he makes no mistake smashing that home, you know, with a lot of power down the middle. Good header. And you just think from there, 17 minutes up, 17 minutes gone, we're 3-0 up. You know, what's going to happen here? There's always that little bit in the back of your mind, isn't there, of we can't bottle this, can we? Like, surely even Pompey can't potentially bottle this. And, you know, I'm enjoying the moment and I'm thinking, okay, okay, let's keep going. And it's a weird situation when you're thinking in the back of your head, I think we might need a fourth here just just so I can calm down and make sure. But... It's as good a first half as you'll see. And even after the goal, you've got to say, Andy, that we controlled the ball so nicely. We're just knocking it round. A lot of the Pompey fans, you can hear them olaying during the mm. game and all that kind of stuff. And I mean, it's just the most complete half I've ever seen. Yeah, you're saying that there was, you know, game over, no way we we're going to let him into it, blah, blah, blah. I do vaguely remember being 3-1 up against Coventry's 10 men and 3-2 up against Coventry's 9 men and managing to lose that game at Fratton Park on a Tuesday evening. So you never never say never. There's always a way if you really look hard enough to, to have an issue in the second half. But yeah, it was, it was dominant, wasn't it? It's hard to analyse it. I don't really have a huge amount to critique. I know, I think it was Paddy Lane came out afterwards and said that there were a couple of things in the first half they still thought they could have improved on. I'm not good enough at football analysis to tell you what those were because I thought it was pretty much the complete half of football. And honestly, I know it's a, a football cliche, but the most important thing is that they capitalised while they were on top like that because the odds of Barnsley having two back-to-back halves where they were dominated that much were just slim to none. They were always going to come into the game for me in the second half. We were never going to run away and win that 5-6-0. Barnsley were always going to make a tactical adjustment to nullify you know, the threat that Lane in particular was posing and the chances that we were creating for Lane and Robertson. So it wasn't going to be the same twice. Barnsley were going to grow back into it. I was hoping it wouldn't be quite as squeaky bum time as it turned out to be. But yeah, they capitalised on the chances while they were on top and then just about saw the game out. And to be honest with you, if Norris is going to have an occasional wobble, I'd rather it would happen when we're 3-1 up rather than nil-nil 88th minute against a promotion rival costing us a point or you know two points or whatever so let's just say that we got the mistakes out of the way in the correct scenario with the power of hindsight positivity isn't it exactly so going on from an incredible first half proud of you 
come out and I saw after the game, John Messini, and they said, how could you sum up the second half to Andrew Moon? And he said, absolutely awful, to be honest. We knew Barnsley are a good team and we're going to come out at us, didn't we? And you just think we've got to sort of try and ride out the first 10 minutes and sort of silence the crowd out of it. And it wasn't really what happened, was it? And what did you think of the first goal that Barnsley got back? Well, I was I was just going to mention as well, actually. Like, I think we actually had two chances before Barnsley scored. I think there was, uh, was it Robertson's header? And I think Bishop just missed the flick on. I think Robertson also had a, a chance in the box. So it's not like we, you know, came out in the second half and were just playing to the fence or like we just, you know, fell apart almost instantly. Yeah, Barnsley, uh, keeper, you know, made a, Barnsley keeper made a really good save at 3-1 yeah, as well. Yeah, he also made a really good save as well, yeah. So it's like, you know, it's not like... Uh, the first 45 minutes it was us dominant and then the next 45 minutes it was Barnsley just had everything you know we still had chances to extend the lead or you know um, uh, yeah just basically extend the lead but yeah Barnsley's I'm looking at the first uh, like the first goal they score is is kind of frustrating because obviously I know Rafferty's pushed up higher to try and get the ball and it means that but what I can't work out is how Regan Paul was ended up obviously he's on the left side of the back two and he somehow ended up on the the right basically the right wing and then it means that there's a massive gap in between you know Shotnessy and Ogilvy and then Ogilvy's had to come across to try and defend the center which means it's now left like I think it was a Cotty uh who's uh scored Barnsley's first to you know just slot in like basically one-on-one with Norris um so I think that that is something that you know Messina will look at because obviously pressing high will have its uh disadvantages obviously like that whether one to two central midfielders could have dropped in to support the defence if Rafferty's pushing up to you know for the players to shuffle across maybe something that we you know probably should have done so it was a bit frustrating I, I think it was definitely an avoidable goal it's, it's not like if Barnsley worked it really well I, I'll give him credit for that obviously Cosgrove you know was uh, he came on and then was the main part of that first goal for Barnsley but it's, it's just a avoidable that was the, that is the issue I think it's it's really avoidable goals concede and uh, I think that was probably my biggest frustration about it and did you feel like we could have done anything differently to set up in the second half tactically or do you think it's just a case of Barnsley came out all firing at us and we just didn't quite get our flow back after the first goal I'm not even convinced it was really a, a tactical issue uh, I think what Proudy said is correct, or I think maybe it was you, you that said it just now. You need to come out in the second half and to see out that first 10 minutes. And then, you know, 3-0 up, 55-60 gone. It's a very different game than 3-1 up with 60 gone. I know it sounds very silly and very simple and and sort of um, very oversimplified and reductionist, but it is, it's totally different if you've conceded one less goal at that point. So I think it was a case of, yeah, just... I'm trying not to over overanalyze over panic because we had those chances and I think most days one of those chances goes in that makes it you know either 4-0 or 4-1 and we're having a very different conversation yeah I, I don't mind how we lined up Barnsley obviously changed their approach to the game changed their formation and it takes time to adjust to that and counter to that the frustration is that the goals yeah they were they were poor goals to concede you shouldn't really ever be in the position that we were in there before just before the ball across for their first goal where they've essentially got a three on one you shouldn't really ever be in that position and when you know the the one defensive player we've got back is Ogilvy and you're thinking how has this really really happened here you've got caught napping there and then the second goal that they score obviously we're coming on to now 
you're really looking at a very basic error to concede. So I don't think we need to make, you know, big um, condemning statements about the system and the tactics. I really think it was more just sloppiness in the second half. And I'm I'm not going to come down on them like a ton of bricks on that. They were 3-0 up. They put a number of really good halves together in the last few games since what, 20 minutes in against Posh. Since then, very little to, you know, they've barely put a foot wrong. So it's just a statement of fact that it was sloppy and that's going to happen sometimes. The most important thing is it was sloppy in the second half and we got three points out of it. That's the main thing. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think there's anything to to necessarily complain about at all is, you know, it's a great win away from home and keep the momentum going, go top of the league. One player I wanted to quickly touch on was um, Terry Devlin came on and looked quite good, didn't he? He looked pretty tenacious, you know, tracking back and covering. I thought he made some really good challenges. He got stuck in and sort of was quite visible on the pitch, really mixing it up. And so that's a couple of games now he's had a, had a contribution. And obviously the Derby game, he, he plays and he get, gets that assist of Bishop. And in this game, I thought he really showed some defensive prowess as well. Yeah, Derby game almost scored as well. Just before we did equalise, probably should have scored if he's being critical of himself. Obviously difficult to come on cold like that and, and score pretty much immediately. But yeah, you feel like he's going to make a bit more of an impact over the over the coming weeks and months. Uh, it's looked good from what I've seen so far in the last few games, coming on as an impact sub. We're going to need depth over the season. He's getting into the right positions. As you say, getting in the assist game, which is something we we really struggled with last year with particularly wide players when you're looking at someone like Owen Dale. I mean, I think he was top of our expected assists or something for, for quite a while last year with a really low number relative to wingers for teams around us. So if any of our midfield players, whether they're central or, or playing out wide, are going to chime in with assists as he is pretty quickly after coming into the side, it's, it's not a bad thing, is it? To be honest with you. He's so highly rated from from what we've heard. Uh, when we first signed him and, and we had that interview with, uh, I've forgotten the name of the guy, we we interviewed about him coming over for the signing and, and he's just so highly rated over there that he's got something about him. So it might mean we have to show a bit of patience, but what we've seen so far has looked excellent. Yeah, and I know he's a young lad. He took a bit of time to get into the uh, Glen Foran first team as well. So he sort of earned his way into that team and then was a bit of a fixture. So as Andy says, we need squad depth. It's great to have a player like that who's, you know, young, hungry, can progress. We've got on a permanent deal as well. And yeah, he looked really good. What do you think about Sparks coming in at left back, Proudy, in this game? It wasn't an easy one, was it, with us playing in a complete shambles at the defence a little bit towards the end of the game? And, you know, when Ogilvy goes down, I'm thinking there's been quite a few games and I've wanted a more attacking left back come on or to play, but this wasn't really it, was it? No, uh, you know, talk about getting thrown in at the defense. Uh, no, I, I, th- I think um, you know he's he's been probably a player which I think I wouldn't say underrated as of yet because I think he's he's coming to the team. He's played a few different positions for us at the moment, um, but it's I think for me, like personally, I think it's good that if Ogilvy goes down injured, obviously I, I hope he never does because it's it's always handy having him on the pitch. We still have like quality backup behind them. I think that's been a problem for us defensively over the last few years. I think our defensive like sort of uh, depth has been lacking a lot. I think if you look at players that we've brought on recent seasons off the bench when we're struggling for defenders, I think you know a lot of people would probably watch the game through um through their hands. But yeah, it's uh, you know I think I think Sparks 
obviously, I don't know if it's come out how long Ovalby's out for yet, if he is out, or if it was... Uh, um, I, we, we don't know if he, how long he's out for yet, do we? If he is out, Yeah, no. Messino, um didn't think it was too bad. That was uh, this oh, morning. No. Said he, he, he hoped it wasn't too bad. Yeah, is that um, very you know in depth and scientific? I know, but then, there's a lot of managers that say that, and then you know, next thing you know, they're out for five weeks. It's like, oh, great! But obviously, if Spark starts on Saturday, then you know, I, I'm fully confident, and probably it's actually a better game for him to start in, actually, because um, as you said, to you know, attacking fullback at home against Lincoln probably probably needs someone like him. Yeah, and we'll come on to the preview, but they look like a team who could park the bus, so. I think there's a really good opportunity for him if he does come in in that game. Just seen boys, Cheltenham have sacked Wade Elliott. Unbelievable. Yeah, I just thought, I mean, who knew that not scoring for eight games would lead to a managerial change? I mean, what about that point to go off front part? Like, you thought he would have kept his job at least, you know? And that, that bought him another five games. <laughs> yeah. he's, he's got a lot to be grateful for to us. <laughs> Friend of the podcast, Wade Elliott. Sad times he's there. Unfortunately, they've gone. They've drawn level with the uh, the League One record for number of games in a row without scoring. So the new manager has got the opportunity to break a record in his first game. Well, it'll be the assistant manager, won't it? Um, can't remember his name, but I saw that he's taken over responsibility for the weekend. The opportunity to break a record within four days of taking on the job. But I was looking, I was doing a bit of research into this. I know that's kind of betraying our normal mantra, Hugh, and I do apologise for that because you look a bit bit hurt by this. But I did a little bit of research. And it looks like the the record for goalless matches in the football league is Hartlepool in uh, 1993 with 13 games. So at the moment, Cheltenham are still playing sort of, you know, they're playing small ball. They've still got five games to go of not scoring before before anything like, you know, really record-breaking happens. Jeff Sterling and the rest of the Hartlepool firm then are uh, willing willing them on not to score. Mm. I think, yeah, Crystal Palace apparently did nine games about 20 years ago. Uh, no, 30 years ago. How oh, my word, we're in 2023. We're a decade later than I thought we were. Um, yeah, Crystal Palace did nine games. Hartlepool, 13 games. Charlton could could do it. They've not really looked like scoring. I don't know what their... I wonder what their... Oh, we need Freddie. What their cumulative XG for the season is. All their games added up. Freddie, if you're listening, I would like you to bring that information to next week's pod. I'm genuinely, genuinely quite curious. How long did... Um, Gillingham had a bad start to last season. I don't know if they just didn't score. They didn't win for about 14 games or something. I, I think that was in the middle of the season. Like, I, th- I think they just stopped scoring. Like, or they were only winning like 1 0 for a while. They, they, they just winning. didn't win. They, I don't think they picked up any points for. I swear it was the start. I, I can't be bothered to go and look it up. But yeah, I think it was a similar thing. But yeah, Cheltenham and. Mm. We were talking, or. Oh, I don't want to ruin the, the mystique of the pod. When we talk to uh, the you know our Lincoln preview with Ben, um, it's it's likely that we're going to bring up the the standard of League One football. I think it's a question you're considering asking in the future, Proudly, um, mm. about so the standard of League One possibly, football. Possibly, it, it might come up, and uh, whether or not the league does seem a bit softer this year, and whether that's a perception shared by other teams. And um, I mean, I guess we're coming on to sort of the more overall League One chat at the moment. You do say that it, you'd. Like looking at Fleetwood and Cheltenham at the moment, it's making life a lot easier for the rest of the league at the moment. Mm. In that they're just reducing the number of relegation places by two, because you just can't <laughs> see either of them picking up 
anything. They're kind of the Derby County 2007-ish or whenever it was they got yeah. 11 points or something. But we've Possibly got two. Luton 2023, possibly. So, oh, your words, your words. We'll see if they come back to bite you. The Luton manager will get aggy if too many people say that after a few games. Uh, Hugh's rolling his eyes because we brought in the Premier League. I say we. Proudly's brought in the Premier League. This is the League One podcast. We don't need don't need any of that rubbish. Sorry, it's it's Facebook again. It's just, no, it's getting into my brain. Like uh, uh, oh, no, I wasn't that. I was just thinking. I think Rob Edwards is a friend of the Pompey Club, obviously, because his links mm. to Forest Green is probably quite happy what he's doing at Luton anyway, being in the Premier League. Mm. Yeah, you mentioned Ben. Let's bring it in. We spoke to Ben from the Stacey West to discuss everything about Saturday to do with Lincoln City. We spoke about the game, the setup, the tactics, and can Pompey potentially break down a team that parked the bus? So here's Ben from the Stacey West. All right, I'm here with Ben from the Stacey West. Ben, Hello. thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having us, man. Yeah, it's uh, it's good to see you. Um, good to see all of you, to be fair. And, yeah, nice yeah. to see you again. Yeah, it seems like forever. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just start, yeah, start cracking then, I suppose. Lincoln starts the season's been you know, fairly decent, to be fair. You know, mm-hmm. you've got players who've been scoring across the front three. You're not relying on one player, etc. And, you know, not maybe as good a result in the last game as we'll come on to. But how are you feeling from the start of the season? Are, are Lincoln fans happy with what's gone on so far? Uh, I think if you'd have asked me this probably six or seven days ago, I would have given you a very, very different answer. Um, up until the end of the game on Saturday, uh, we'd probably say we were delighted with the start to the season. Um, the bottom game aside, you know, lost 3-0 on opening day, but I, I think there's a, a a belief among a lot of fans, uh, particularly on our side, you know, on our side of the fence, that Bolton are going to do very well this season. And we, we were kind of willing to chalk that up as a bit of an anomaly. Um, But yeah, kind of coming away from that, uh, we've only lost once in the league so far, kept, I think, across all competitions, I think it was something like five clean sheets in seven games, um, looking really strong defensively. Um, And we were, like you mentioned, scoring kind of everywhere apart from our strikers. You know, the only two, well, the the strikers that we've got in the books at the minute, the out-and-out strikers currently haven't scored a goal. Um, and sadly, that's not going to change for a while because after the game on Saturday, uh, Mark Kennedy came out and said uh, that both Tyler Walker and Ben House, our two first-choice strikers, have been uh, hit with long-term injuries. Ben House is looking to be out between three and five months and Tyler Walker's out for about eight weeks. So, yeah, I mean, we've, we're have we playing decent football at the minute. You know, we, we, we tend to... Uh, not necessarily hit teams on the break, but we definitely like to soak up a lot of pressure um, and then hit hit teams when we can. Um, but I think, you know, finishing uh, 11th, I think it was at the end of last season, we've definitely, there was definitely a belief among certain sections of the fan base that um, maybe we could sneak into the playoffs at the end of the season. I mean, I'm personally one of those I predicted us to finish you know, sixth. I, I thought we'd, we'd just grab sixth there's always that one team with the late push. I thought we'd probably be that team. Um, And, you know, the start to the season kind of reinforced some of that. I think we've had some really good performances. We've had some really good results. Um, Obviously, you know, we've had uh, a result at the weekend that wasn't what we expected, but there were reasons behind that. So, uh, yeah, all in all, pretty positive. I just think bad luck seems to have struck us at the wrong moment. I'm going to jump in, Ben, with the obvious follow-up that I imagine a lot of people listening 
would want to ask hearing the names you just mentioned. Mm-hmm. Tyler Walker probably isn't recognised in the Portsmouth fan base as one of our more successful loan signings, to put it in a polite podcasty way. <laughs> yeah, uh, tended to come across as... I don't think there is a polite podcast way of saying lazy uh, when he was on the pitch. <laughs> and yeah, wasn't really a success story at Fratton Park. And mm-hmm. I seem to remember upon your signing of Tyler Walker, most of the social media responses were actually from Portsmouth fans rather than Lincoln fans, sort of wishing you good fortune in the in the season to come. Obviously, he's out for eight weeks, as you just said. So unfortunately, we won't get to see him. Some Pompey fans would argue that might strengthen your side from our experiences. <laughs> but how has the Tyler Walker experience been for you so far before we come on to, to Rico Hackett as well? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously, that was the other name I was fully expecting to come up. I mean, Tyler Walker, he's he's played uh, just under 200 minutes for us so far. He's mainly come off the bench um, in the league. He hasn't yet scored, but his work rate has been pretty impressive um i mean you know he was with us on loan uh in the you know uh, quite a few seasons ago now um and that's where we kind of fell in love with tyler walker you know he was uh, he was scoring for fun um and then forrest recalled him in january i think on the, if i remember, recall correctly i think it was on the last day of the of the transfer window so we were all really gutted at that um at the time and i think his time away um or you know his time not at lincoln rather has been it's probably been really beneficial to him because I think he's learned a lot about uh, himself and where he seems to fit into clubs and how he maybe not likes to be treated because that's probably a bit of a slight to other clubs. But I, I just think the setup might, you know, probably wasn't right um, at the likes of Portsmouth for for a player like um, like Tyler. Um, uh, it does surprise me to hear people say, "Oh, he's, he's lazy." Um, I think when he's when he's been back for us, um, even though I say he's not scored, he, he has. Um, been putting himself about on the pitch quite a lot. You know, he's he's not. While we expect him to be the out and out goal scorer um, that you know we, we knew from before, I think he's definitely contributing to a lot more. Um, there was a goal uh, earlier on in the season. I think it was the Blackpool game where he, he you know, if you, if you watch it back, there was a, a really good ball across to him, and he, he won a flick on that just set. Uh, well, it just opened up the pitch, um, and we went and scored from it. Um, and that seems to be a lot more of what we've seen so far. Um, it's just, yeah, incredibly disappointing that uh, we've had these two injuries at exactly the wrong moment. Interested to see how that's affected you tactically, because I, I saw at the start of the season, you're almost playing that sort of like two tens behind a striker. Is that right? Whilst now it's sort of gone to a front three with, with the sort of creative midfielders in the centre. Yeah, kind of. I mean, we've, one of the biggest signings that we've had over the, the past year and a half has been Danny Mandroyo. He came in from the Republic of Ireland. I know there's a, a few jokes about us being Republic of Ireland FC at this point because we, we tend to go into that market quite a bit. Um, but Mandroyo came in and his his position really just seems to be anywhere across the, the top end of the pitch. Um, he, he plays really well at 10. I, I really like him as a number 10. But he also plays out, um, you know, his, his primary place is out on one of the wings. Um, and I think him drifting in a little bit is probably where you've seen that. Um, you know, it, we don't necessarily play with a, a specific number 10. Um, at least we, we're not starting games like that. Um, you know, we've got uh, Ethan Hamilton and Ethan Arahan in the middle of the pitch and they are very much, you know, typical sixes. They are 
they are midfielders. You know, if, if you were to draw a midfielder, you'd draw Ethan Hamilton or you'd draw Ethan Arahan. Um, you know, they're strong in the tackle. They've got really good vision, really good awareness. And I, I don't know how we've managed to sign Ethan Arahan, to be honest. But, you know, as we go forward um, up the pitch, you've got... Um, we do tend to play three. It is it is a three primarily. Um, we you know play three four three in possession, um, and they do cut in a little bit. Um, you know I think obviously that's to be expected really um, from the wingers, and they do cut in quite a bit to make it a bit more narrow. But I, I wouldn't say that the first choice is to play, you know, with with that two tens formation that you've spoken about but it's uh yeah it's definitely one that we can revert to if we need to um and one thing that we've definitely got this season is the ability to, cha- uh, to change things from the bench which we've not had for a while but again we'll have to see what happens with uh, with these injuries like since the start of the season i think i've said a lot about like league one and like the strength of league one um and i've said like i feel like this is the weakest it's been in years for for yourself like looking at link would you say possibly i know obviously your promotion might be like automatic promotion might be a step too far but like playoffs and stuff would you say this is probably the best season lincoln have a chance of going up possibly i think like i you know from your perspective for a lincoln fan potentially yeah i mean i, I think last season was obviously split up into mini leagues, wasn't it? You had the the big teams at the top, and then the rest of the you know the rest of the group. Um, and I think it was um, it was an aim to finish somewhere in at the top end of that bottom uh, second league, if you like. Um, I think we managed to achieve that, you know, towards the end of the season. Um, definitely one of those moments towards you know where people were we we'd drawn so many games at home, and people were saying, oh you know he needs to the manager needs to go you're thinking we well, doesn't because look at where we are in the division you know we we finished 16th the previous season um you know with a managerial change and now this is his first full season uh you know what what are we going to do uh, sorry not there wasn't a managerial change during the season it was a, a one way left at the end of the season you know it wasn't the best of seasons but like to um yeah to, to have his first full season in management to finish where he did I thought was great and then um Building on that this year, we've added permanent signings to the squad, which is something that we, you know, we wouldn't necessarily have expected um, due to a lot of investment. Um, and I think you're right. I think there is a there's that sort of quiet confidence from a lot of sections of the fan base that we could sneak into the top six come the end of the season. Whether we can go on and, and achieve promotion is another thing. Uh, we've we've not got the best of records in the playoffs. Um, I think we've we've hit the playoffs five or six times now. Um, we've it's never resulted in promotion. Uh, obviously, the COVID season, we we ended up in the playoff final there against Blackpool, uh, which I, I think next to nobody would would turn around and say, "Oh, that was a normal season by any stretch of the imagination." You know, you had the wage cap. You obviously had no crowds. There was so much that went in our favour. We had Brennan Johnson, who's just gone to Spurs for nearly fifty million pounds. It's like, you know, that was a special season for multiple different reasons and unfortunately it doesn't look like it's going to be repeated anytime soon but I think the state of League One at the moment it's it's competitive for teams like us I guess Just um, we were chatting a bit off air about how you're going to set up and you were saying that you know us not breaking down Cheltenham might give a bit of 
a bit of hope by the way you guys play and you know, you don't press a lot. I looked at the stats in that sense and, you know, you don't tend to hold onto the ball for too long and you're still scoring goals. You get the ball forward quickly when you do attack. And I was looking, obviously you've got the the sort of the two wing backs who, who play and, you know, Lassie Sorensen looks like a decent player and he's got two assists, but am I, are we expecting as, you know, as Pompey fans to see that almost become a back five for a lot of the game and then, them to hit us on in transition and sort of try and score in that way because it sort of seems like that looking at, at the data. Probably so, yeah. I think out of possession, we're definitely more of a, a back five um, with the ability to get forward quickly if we need to. Um, you mentioned last there, he, he actually signed with us as a central midfielder um, and then moved to right back towards probably about the middle of last season. Uh, sorry, right, right wing back towards the middle of last season and uh, he's made that position his own Absolutely. And that's, you know, he's been assigned a number two squad shirt this season. So it's like, cool. Well, that's his position now. Um, we've signed Jack Burrows out on the left-hand side as well. Uh, he can actually play either side. The first game he came in, he came on as a substitute. Um, he started at left back and within 30 seconds he was switched over to right back because last was taken off. Um, and he's looked really impressive since he's come in. Um, so I think you're probably going to see um, a lot of counter-attacking football. Um, even though it's it's not, I wouldn't necessarily say that's our primary way of playing. But if there are spaces at the back, I think they'll, they'll be exploited quite well with the players that we've got. Um, and honestly, I think a lot of the game on Saturday would, would hinge on whether the likes of Danny Mandroy were fit, because um, he, well, he, he he will make a massive difference if he is. I guess kind of tying in with that, then, if you are wanting to. If there's a piece of information you don't want the Pompey tactical staff to know in terms of what you would say your Achilles heel is playing away from home against a team that, I mean, I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I'm assuming a, a point would be a good result at the end of Saturday for you guys. You're nodding. I'll take that in the affirmative. Yeah. So what would you say the Achilles heel is if, you know, we're setting up to try and stop that from happening? That's a really good question. Cause to be honest with you, I think we're, we're really solid defensively. Um, the the only thing that I could possibly think is, you know, if there isn't any cover, if the likes of uh, Lass and, and Burroughs are getting forward. Um, but it's it's rare that that happens because even when, you know, if they go forward, you've got the likes of Arahan coming back and, and covering. Um, it, I, I'm aware it sounds incredibly arrogant if I turn around and say, oh, well, I, I don't necessarily think there is an Achilles heel, but obviously every team's got one. I, I wonder if there's maybe a little bit of a, a blinkered, a blinkered uh, sense from me that it it, it feels it, it's not felt that often. Well, I've, sorry, I haven't felt this uh, this season that we're going to concede all that much. Um, there just seems to be almost a, a confidence amongst the supporters. Where you know, if if the ball goes forward, you know, Lucas Jensen six foot four, I think he is, um, and it, you know he, he spreads himself really well. We've we've kept so many clean sheets this season it doesn't feel like there is an obvious weakness um but i'm i'm sure i'll pr probably be proven wrong a couple of times oh, right we, we won't soundbite and play in our game review if you concede three or four in the first <laughs> half don't worry about it all good oh, that's all right i'm sure gary will on ours I've got it, I've got a quick thing to jump into. You talk about not having Achilles heel, and I, one thing I did find interesting is you've only conceded one goal from open play this season, which is interesting when you know we're playing against a team that might potentially play in a low block against us. 
However, you've conceded five goals, I think, from from set pieces. Mm-hmm. So it's quite an interesting thing. Is that something that is a bit of an Achilles heel for, for the team? Possibly. I think, to be honest with you, that a lot of them have been daft mistakes. Um, the weekend, you know, uh, against Carlisle, the, the free kick came in and it was uh, scored by... Luke Plange, who we had on loan last season and did nothing for us. Um, so it was obvious he was going to score. But um, it, it it comes down to silly individual mistakes, I think. Um, so there doesn't seem to be necessarily a weakness in the system. It's just potential, you know, lapses in concentration where people switch off for a second and go, oh, no, oh, and, you know, before they know it, the ball's gone past them and it's in the back of the net. Is there any part of you that sees... This game is a little bit of a, a free shot. And I don't mean that in a sort of a, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't mean that in a patronising way towards Lincoln. I'm just looking at your run of games after this. Mm-hmm. There's the opportunity there to get a real head of steam up. I mean, the five games following us, Cheltenham at home and Cheltenham don't look like they could score in a brothel. <laughs> Leighton Orient away, eminently winnable. Peterborough away. Depends which Peterborough turn up. Then Burton at home and Fleetwood away, you know. And even you could make an argument for Charlton at home at the moment. They are all eminently winnable. Uh, Is there a part of you that sees that and is looking past the Pompey game? Or do you genuinely see, you know, this is an opportunity for three points? Um, You know, there's no reason you can't break the Portsmouth, what is it, 19 games in the league or something, 18, 19, one of them. Yeah, I, I I think there's a lot of people seeing it as an absolute free hit. Um, I, I don't think you'll find too many people uh, thinking we're going to take much from the game at the weekend. Um, and again, that's not to disparage the club. It's not to disparage the, what the management's doing at the minute. That's the word I was looking for was disparage. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah it, you know, we, we've obviously, we had the game against Oxford postponed um, the other week. So getting back to league action against Carlisle was, was an, you know one where we, we thought we could take something. Um, and if I'm honest, I think... Uh, a point was a was a very fair result. I don't even think that we would, could have begrudged Carlisle a win if they uh, if they'd have managed to sneak it. Um, but I, yeah, I just think it it feels like a free hit for a lot of fans. Um, like you say, the, the run of games we've got coming up um, and the, the current situation that we're in um, definitely feels um, it definitely feels like well, I'd snap your hand off for a point. Um, I think I said at the, uh, you know, when we did our preview with Hugh, um, it's one of those games where, without the uh, the sort of cliche behind it, you know, I'll take a point, I'll take a point from that. Um, but yeah, I mean, you guys are, are flying at the moment, um, at least sitting top of the table. Um, I know you've, you've quick chat off air, and we've we've uh, said that there's a few people unhappy, but that's social media and football, isn't it? Yeah, we uh, we reported the. The fact that we saw on social media, someone had uh, said that Massinho was on thin ice just before the Barnsley game, which is interesting. Um, my final question before I just hand back to Hugh to sort of sum up and, and ask anything he has left is Lincoln have played a number of teams that we haven't seen at Fratton Park or we haven't played against this year. In the fixtures you've watched Lincoln play, which side would you say have been the strongest team you've lined up against and who have been the weaker side that you would say on the pitch? Um, I, I honestly was genuinely surprised at how well Carlisle played at the weekend. Um, they, uh, you know, we, I had a chat with a, a Carlisle fan for our podcast um, the week before, and 
they uh, i don't want to sound patronizing to them but that they sounded almost like oh you know we're happy to be here kind of position you know that they've obviously got issues uh, issues away from the pitch at the minute that seem like they're getting resolved they've just come up they've they're playing decent football um and i was i was actually really surprised uh, how well they played on saturday um so i'd probably put carlisle in there um as a team that uh, you know one of the better teams that i've seen so far in terms of the the weaker sides, obviously we've got two three nil home games under uh, two three nil home wins. Sorry, under our belt, um, and I thought Wickham were really poor. Um, I don't think they were. I don't think they looked impressive at all. I mean, it, you know, we were, we were relatively easy to to break down. Um, we seemed to well to to just be able to score at will essentially. And to be honest, I don't think anyone would have moaned if if it was an even higher scoreline. Um, obviously, the other result was Blackpool, and they had a man sent off in that game as well. Um, but I think, yeah, in terms of the, the the poorer sides that we've seen, Wickham definitely so far haven't looked did well. They didn't look great at Central Bank. Well, that's good to hear. After years of them playing this industrious, irritating football, they're all time wasting their way through life. And absolutely, yeah. <laughs> I think they, they seem. I don't know if they were kind of in a transition of like we've got a new manager now. He's trying to impose his style, and and there seems to be almost like a um, almost like a hybrid of two styles where he's trying to bring something in and they've still got that hangover of Gareth Ainsworth sort of kicking around. But yeah, they, they didn't look great at all. I think you might have played them at the right time for that yeah. exact reason. I think they've hit a bit of form recently or relative form, beating Blackpool, beating Bristol Rovers away, beating Northampton away. I think, yeah, you might have got that out of the, the way at the right time, kind of like we've had a couple of games. I think it was at the Derby game, we were saying we thought we were running into it at the right time. Mm. Um, and so it almost proved. So yeah, I think we're probably going to, We've got them in a few weeks, haven't we, at home? In a, is it a couple of Tuesdays' time, maybe? Have I made that up? Maybe it's a Saturday. I don't know. I've not quite got round to tattooing this year's fictions where they're on. <laughs> All right, let, let's wrap this one up then. All right, I want to know your score prediction, although we spoke about on the other podcast for the game. Any goal scores, please? Well, I'm surprised I've not had a chance to thank you for Rico Hackett so far. Um, he's he's played he's played really well for us. Although you may see him up front on Saturday playing as a number nine because that's where we are. But um, I think score predictions. Honestly, I I can't see us taking anything from the game. Um, I think a I think either a, a we'll, we'll scrape a draw, so one all or two one to Portsmouth. Um, as for score prediction uh, or scorers. I mean, we we seem to have a tendency to concede whenever we face a former player. So, you know, the likes of Regan Paul, um, Anthony Scully, if he plays, Sean Raggett, if he plays, um, Joe Morrell, you know, we have fond memories of them, but uh, they'll doubtless put one past us on Saturday. And as for us, I, I think I think it's almost uh, it's almost written in the stars, isn't it? The Hackett's going to score at the weekend. I mean, if all of our ex-players who play for you score, who are fit, so one... And all of your ex, all of our ex players who are fit playing for you, you wait. No, that's the wrong way around. I'm going to start that again. If all of your ex players playing for us who are fit score, and if all of our ex players who are fit playing for you score, then it's going to be a lovely afternoon for us. By the sounds yes. of it, <laughs> yeah. No, it's. Um, I've got. Uh, I, I say, got a lot of fond memories of those players there, but uh, we'll we'll see what happens. Right, ben, why don't you let people know where they can find your podcast? So, I mean, we've had you guys on for a couple of years now, so um, let's let the Pompey fans who are maybe new listening to the show know where they can check you guys out. Absolutely. So we are at Stacey West Blog on Twitter. 
Um, StacyWest.net uh, is the website, and then you can find the podcast. Just search for the Stacy West podcast. Um, and I believe I, I do owe a slight apology to Gary because I know that he's been on the for for the past few years. Um, and uh, yeah, I got a I got a frustrating message from him where he said, "Oh, can't believe you've nicked me spot." So uh, there we go. Yeah, he messaged me and I said, oh, you're too slow. Ben's already got in there. He's already organised it. Sorry, mate. He's, he's cancelled you out. <laughs> it's all right. You're both welcome next time. You can both jump on next time if you want together and uh, we can do an even a bigger convo. But Ben, it's been great having you on the podcast. Thanks a lot, mate. And good luck for the rest of the season apart from on Saturday. Absolutely. Same to you guys. Thank you for having me. Cheers, Ben. Thanks, mate. Thanks, Ben, for coming on the podcast. Sounds like Lincoln are potentially happy to get a point against us, boys. They're going to sit deep. They were quite happy the fact that Cheltenham managed to get a point against us. And, you know, off air, we're discussing how that sort of helps their their case and their cause. Do you reckon Rico Hackett playing as a number nine up front because of all their striker injuries? Is this a team to be worried about, do you think? I mean, I don't want to tempt fate, but... You think Rico Hackett playing at nine, and I, I actually really liked him at Pompey. I think he did a really good job here, and he had a really nice redemption arc as well under Kenny Jacket. So this is all said with you know positive feelings towards him as a player, but with him playing at nine, you would think all you need to do is show him onto his weaker foot, which is obviously much easier said than done in the heat of the moment in the middle of a football match. But over the course of 90 minutes, in terms of reducing the threat of a number nine, there aren't many number nines out there as one-footed as him, I would imagine, playing in League One on a week-to-week basis. Watch him score with his weaker foot. Now, that will be scenes. I might quit the pod and just not come back out of shame if that happens, but I stand by my point. Banana kick, bicycle kick with his weaker foot incoming. Honestly, just been hustling us the entire time, saving it for a goal in front of the fratten end with his weaker foot. Yeah, they're likely to set up. I think they're going to set up very similarly to how Cheltenham did in terms of just coming for a point and then potentially having a smash and grab, picking up something from a set piece. If you're looking for the win, you know, it can happen easily. It, it's it's not going to be the same as the last few games. You look at the Peterborough Derby and Barnsley games. I don't think this is going to be as fun a watch. I really don't. Um, it's going to be gritty. It's going to be attritional. It's not going to be aesthetically enjoyable I don't think and I won't care if we manage to get the three points out of it couldn't give a couldn't give a hoot if we get three points out of it but they're going to set up to frustrate us and test the patience of the crowd I think that's my prediction I, I don't think it's a particularly advanced or in-depth or you know particularly clever prediction I think it's fairly fairly obvious that's what they're going to go with I think Proud is it off air that he's gonna he thinks we're gonna score as many goals as you can see in the background, the back of his football shirt. Is that some Pal some Pauli shirt there? 21 0 oh, Pompey. Oh no, that's a football manager shirt they sent me. So oh. um yeah, oh, just drop that so, in there. Yeah, Famous. sorry. It's the only merch they've ever sent me. So uh, <laughs> it's got my name on the back as well. Um but no, I I wanted to say I I, I think uh, Andy's right. I think uh, you know a lot of teams are gonna be like that this season, not gonna be open. Uh, um, as much and obviously I think they'd be playing uh, like a three at the back system like the majority of the season uh, obviously away from home other than the bowl result you know they've got a 2-2 draw against Northampton 1-0 win against Shrewsbury 1-1 draw against Bristol Rose so obviously not 
you know, tight, tightish games, I think. And obviously, us at home, sometimes, uh, you know, trying to break down a team who have a low block, we'll put men behind the ball. We don't seem to have any ideas. Uh, like how to counter it. Um, I think, yeah, I think Andy's right. I think it's going to be a very frustrating watch. I don't, you know, hopefully it won't be considering the confidence we're on at the moment. But, you know, if in the first 25, 30 minutes, if things aren't going our way and the crowd, you know, start getting ag- agitated like, they, like we can do, then I think there might be a bit of a problem, I think, on Saturday. That's um, an outrageous accusation. Oh, no, sorry, it's us in the front yeah, getting aggy after twenty five minutes. I, I tell you what, as someone that hasn't been in front of Park for a year and a half, that's quite that's quite a big uh, accusation. Yeah, like, everything's <laughs> changed. Everything's know, changed, Proudy. Everyone claps. I oh, know. Sorry, everyone claps constantly. We all uh, give each other like cuddles on the way in. No one argues. Oh anymore. no, I'm missing out on this. I, there's not, really there's not even down. stewards. There are no stewards because everyone gets on so well. They've realised it's a waste of money, so they just oh, pop them in the south stand where all the wrongins go. And like the front end is just full of sweetness, light, unicorns, rainbows, and just it's like a big everyone just gives each other gifts every week. It's like past the parcel. It's it's very wholesome. Yeah, so the negative people have now got their um Eisner in banners up and it's all it's all <laughs> Yeah, there was there was actually yeah, that the uh <laughs> what's that Twitter account that threw the plane over? They actually flew another plane over saying thank you, Eric. Um and it was it was yeah. it was just endearing and there was a tear in his eye. It You've missed some beautiful moments this season, Proudy. I'll I tell you what, if, if I ever have to go to therapy in the future and they ask me to describe my happy place, that's exactly where it will be. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, but no, I think... I think <laughs> try. I, we, we keep going off on tangents, but coming back to the game, obviously, I, I feel excited because, obviously, we're on a good run of form, still unbeaten. I'm, I'm trying to say it in, like, lowercase. We're still unbeaten. But, yeah, like, I, I, I just... I'm, I'm just so excited to see us play now. Like that's the thing. Like every time Saturday comes around now, I'm just excited to see us play. I just hope that we do get like the three points on Saturday. Even if it's a one nil. Even if Colby Bishop has scored in the ninety eighth minute or something like that, then I'll take it. It's a great segue because I Andy Mitchell, I want to know your score prediction, please, for this game and any goal scorers. I will go one nil, scrape it, not pretty. Colby Bishop finishing off a melee in the six-yard box. I don't think it's going to be pretty, but I think it, it's. I feel disingenuous not giving them the benefit of the doubt, picking up a win here when when they're unbeaten in nineteen and they've just had three very good performances and results as a whole. I think it would be unfair of me to to say, "Oh no, we're going to drop points here." So yeah, I'll go with a, a one-nil win. Yeah, you got to think that. It's great playing well against teams that like to play a bit more expansive, but if we're going to get promoted, we need to actually be able to break down teams as well that come and play this sort of low block, five at the back, sort of three midfielders sitting in front of them sort of thing. But Proudy, what are you saying? Uh, I think it will be 2-0. I want to say we'll get an early goal on Saturday, but then we will labour, I think, until like the uh, midway through the second half, where we get a second, I th- I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Bishop gets the second, and I'm gonna say Robson. Robson will get the first. I think it'll be a long range strike. He's due a goal, isn't he? Hundred percent. Like what are you saying? Really he should score against Barnsley, shouldn't he? Had a great chance against Barnsley, mm. which is what is said by the keeper. What are you saying, Hugh? I'm saying two one Pompey. 
Bish, Bish and Paddy Lane. Keep it going. He's momentum. Attacking midfield is all about momentum. Freddie would love that. Nothing to do with that. It's just momentum generally. But yeah, 2-1 I reckon and a goal for Rico off his shin. Okay. Another segue. Kick. Another segue there mentioning Freddie and obviously without him here we hate XG so there is no guess the XG. So we do Royal have... Sorry? Royal we is that. Yeah, yeah, I just I speak for the podcast now. Did you not realise I've decided that I can speak on behalf of you know both of you without any recourse from either of you? Uh, <laughs> take us on to a brief version of where are they now? Which is a game where we did not decide on the title and theme music after recording. Where are you now? Where are you now? Proudly with your football manager knowledge. Again, I'm just going to put Hugh in as the underdog because he performed well under pressure last week, and I, I enjoy seeing him sort of excel. So, going to put the pressure on your football manager knowledge coming into uh, into play. So. Going to try not to screw it up quite as much this week, but uh, I don't hold out too much hope on that from my side. So, Proudy, heads or tails? I will take tails. Oh, see, I don't have an actual coin, but I was thinking tails. So, oh. uh, Proudy, would you like to <laughs> use raging straight out of the gate? Um, would you like to shoot first or second, Proudy? Uh, I'll shoot second. Uh, okay, mainly because yeah. I don't actually know what the rules are. So <laughs> excellent, glad to hear you listened last week. He's uh, such a great host, Andy. At this <laughs> come on, mate. <laughs> um, I name a player, Proudy. You have to say uh, an ex Pompey player, and you have to know or name who they are currently playing for. Uh, there are only three okay. each this week um, because, on oh my word, it dragged last time out. And I was going to come up with a different game for this week, and then um, I actually had to do my job, which is really quite inconvenient. Um, although they are allowing us to use Zoom Pro, so I shouldn't moan too much. So Proudy wants to shoot second. The question order is pre-arranged by the tabs I pulled up at random seven minutes before recording. So Hugh, first up, you start for 10. Uh, they normally start fairly, fairly easy. Dan Butler. So this should be a really easy one. Yep. Is he playing for Stevenage? He is playing for Stevenage. I was worried you were going to get your easy one wrong, which wouldn't be a, an encouraging start to the game. Correct, yeah. Uh, Proudy. Oh, also, standard disclaimer, this is all according to Wikipedia and Transfer Market. If any of this is incorrect, same as last week, I, I would physically struggle to care less. Uh, so if it's wrong and you lose by one point, like Freddie got very hard done by last week, absolutely shafted him. It wasn't fair. Uh, he's complained about it since, and I, I genuinely have no conscience on it. So, same would apply this week to either of you. Proudy, your first shout is Adam May. I, I didn't actually catch that. Sorry, my internet has dropped out as you've named the playoff. So, that old chestnut. Yeah. No, okay, well, you need to pick a team in the 92. And if it's who this player, no, it's, uh, it's Adam May. Oh, uh, Cambridge. That is what I have written down, which is excellent news. Also, home of Gasana Hadmi. Honestly, it would, I feel like I'm getting old because I just look around League One now and just everywhere I'm just like ex-Pompey player, ex-Pompey player, ex-Pompey mm. player. And it's partially because we've been in League One for so bloody long. But also, I'm old enough to remember these people. Like, I'm bringing up players from the 2011-12-13 seasons 
And to me, that seems pretty recent. But to a lot of people, that's, you know, when they started going to Fratton Park, it's really demoralizing. Anyway. Andy, I'm glad that question went to Proudy because even though I wrote a sort of like preview bit on Cambridge and how impressive they were last week on the podcast when I was asked a question of who you know, who was doing well and who wasn't, I mm. completely forgot. So uh that is just as well. So Proudy, <laughs> you've picked the wrong lane here because the next question is one that uh Hugh will get correct. So uh Hugh, your second question is your favorite goalkeeper, my favorite goalkeeper, Simon Eastwood, and try to answer this without ranting. So I was just trying to get my words together then. I I actually don't remember if he's moved on. Is he he's not still at Oxford, is he? I hope he is. That's what my answer is. Do you think he's left? No, I don't know. I just haven't heard about him recently. I don't know if I've just got his name blocked on on Twitter or muted, so I don't rage about him. Just sort of like bring my general stress levels down. Uh, I'm pretty sure he's still at Oxford United. Well, we'll just take According it. According to my advanced sources, <laughs> my very quick uh, internet search. Okay, Hugh, you are 2-1 up. Proudy, your second one to equalise. Nigel Attingana. We've stepped up the difficulty level. He does pop up on socials from time to time in uh, in clips, etc. Again, the, la- well, yeah. the last team I've got from him was him signing in 2022. I'm assuming he's still there. Uh, see, I, that, that's a name I haven't heard for years. Like, um, for some reason, it's on my head. I, I don't know why Tram is so inside to me, but I don't think it's right. It is not right. No, he, at last, last report was at Eastleigh. Oh. Down. Oh wait! Oh yeah, we're not. Oh, I've screwed it. We're meant to offer, offer it again. Men offer it. Actually, no. You know, no. I'm being <laughs> consistent. I decided that wasn't a good rule, and I decided in advance this week not to implement that rule. No, you did not. The, no, the, I did not. No, the, <laughs> the, the steel was a great rule. It's done on every game show. We'll move past it, and we'll give Proudly the chance to steal my question anyway. Why not? He's hey. a guest this week. Stop being mean to me. I <laughs> I have post. You make it so easy. <laughs> I have post concussion syndrome. I can barely remember my own name. I was on Express the other day, and someone tweeted me saying that I just made up a word, and I was like, "I'm ill. Be nice to me instead of socially shaming me." Anyway, Bunce, your third one, which I think is to see all the win. Uh, Ollie Hawkins. Did he play for Mansfield Town? He was at Mansfield Town. Um, Proudly, to make this, you know, to tie it up, just to annoy Hugh, I'll offer it over to you. Do you know where he currently is playing? Is he is he at Gillingham? He is at Gillingham. Oh, Isn't it unfair, so. Hugh? Isn't it unfair? <laughs> Don't you hate it? <laughs> Isn't it awful when the rules are different for the two people taking part in it? Oh, I'm I had, to be, I had to be nice there. And also, you know, I've got to edit it, so I want to make it as long as possible. Right, back to you. Mm. <laughs> uh, is it Proudy now? I've lost track again. Uh, I think it's me again. Yeah. Oh, this is the last one. The last one. Cool. Well, so you can still is... win if I get this wrong. So, so this is for the win if you get it right. If you both get it wrong, I do have tiebreakers where you just have to tell me the country you think they're playing in. So, for the win, Proudy, Nick Kabamba. Oh, I I read this the other day because he's top goal scorer in the national league, isn't he? Uh. I think it's Barnet. You thoughts? You got to tell if it's right or not. We got the chance to steal. It's not. That's not how it works. Come on. I'm, I'm asking you if you think he's right or not. Just like it's suspense, isn't it? Just chuck a heartbeat 
noise in the back of the um <laughs> um yeah also, I, fun science fact did you know that that noise when you listen to it in a stethoscope isn't actually the heart beating it's the flaps of the heart opening and closing really common misconception wow, wow that's great I, I do think he's right yeah he is yeah proud he's taken it down in a completely unfair game um, <laughs> <laughs> i think i broke it there sorry boys except i'm not particularly sorry um just for the the tiebreakers to see if either of you could claim some bonus points do either of you know the country that Ryan Fulton is currently playing in? For those who don't remember, Ryan Fulton, he was at Pompey briefly uh, a lone spell as a goalkeeper, played 12 games for us in 2016. No, is the, is the uh, honest answer. I, I want to say Northern Ireland. Ireland. Yeah. <laughs> He's in Scotland. He's at Hamilton oh. Academical. He's been there for quite a while, actually, since uh, since leaving us. And then the the slightly more difficult one, uh, Jake Jervis or Jake Jarvis, depending on your pronunciation. Does he play in the in the uh, in the Welsh Tim Pot Premier League, Andy? Um, I'm going <laughs> to leave that well alone. No, he's in. I don't uh, know. He's elsewhere in Europe, so he is now playing in Finland. Don't know how he's ended up there. At a team. Called, how do you pronounce something if three of the letters are capitalized and there's a letter in the middle that's lowercase? Oops, standing for Kuopion Palosura is a Finnish football club based in Kuopio in Finland's Premier League, the Veikkausliiga. I mean, I've watched a lot of Vikings, you'd think I'd be better at pronouncing this crap, mm. wouldn't you? I'm going to say if, if you do know anything about how to pronounce Finnish names hit Andy up I'm sorry for that grossly offensive attempt um, so I think are we doing this as winner stays on so Proudy gets to host next week's podcast because um, yeah, you want to speak to you I think he gets to edit next week's podcast that's the plan that, that I've, I've seen some of his YouTube editing I mean there'd be a sort of a video version yeah that's all good you could work Bye-bye. let's round this up Andy it's been good having you on the podcast mate yeah, thanks, buddy. Been a, a nice, nice couple of week or a nice week or so. Some good games. Long may it continue. Keeping the feel goods going until we finish in uh, in ninth. In I think the last game of the season is the day before my birthday, so it's it's all set to be ruined. Uh, Lincoln away. At least we've got an excuse to party if uh, if that is the case. And Proudly's been getting a new podcast. So for context, Proudy has just put in the chat, <laughs> internet is not happening. I literally can't hear either of you. So I'm sure, oh, and now he's, he's nah, there's nothing happening. All he's um, done is got a close-in of his face now rather than actually anything else. But we'll take that as a nod. And- yeah, he, he's been thrilled to be here. He's very happy. He's enjoyed his time and uh, he's looking forward to his next appearance and getting back down to Fratina Park with one of his many, uh, one of the many members of his harem from uh, from online dating. And until next time, about Pompey. You have been listening to the PO Forecast for Pompey News Now. Available on SoundCloud, Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Follow PO Forecast and Pompey News Now on Twitter for more information. And there is the full-time whistle.